Welcome back, everyone, to the next edition of the FCC Podcast. I am your current host and commissioner, Kirk Swanner. Uh, joining me today uh, is our normal guest who's been absent for a little bit of time, Mr. Evan Haig. Evan, how's it going, mate? I'm going great, Kirk. Well, thank you for having me back. I felt like I was going to be ostracized there for a while. No, no, no. So, you know, you can't always be kicking you, so... Um, yeah, so guys, uh, thanks for joining us today. We're going to go over basically all the information that I want to cover for the summit here in about 10 days time. So, um, I'm hoping that we can do this, uh, just to make our time really efficient during that summit. So, um, I'm going to start off with some feedback that, uh, some, some commissioner feedback from this year. So again, I've said it a bunch of times. I'll say it again. This was by far the best year of the FCC. The way I rate, uh, what I look at is uh, revenues and, or sorry, size of rosters, which then dictates revenues, and then also score lines, and particularly um, average point differential in games. So point differential tightened up a lot, which is fantastic. That just means all those games are that much more meaningful for the players, because ultimately that's what we're going to be doing is delivering the best possible experience for the players on the field. That's what, you know, that's, that's what, that's how we're going to get more kids to come play this sport is to make sure we're really strong there. So this year was by far the best, um, you know, not being in Florida, I do get to go see other teams in California stuff like that. And I, and I think in Florida, we have some really good coaches that make a lot out of a little, you know, we don't have a plethora of teams playing. It is growing. Uh, I'd like to see that growth continue. We've had growth in the past and it kind of fell back down. So I, I hope it's not a roller coaster, but even if it is, I still think we got the coaches to uh, handle it. Evan, you, you want to jump in there? Yeah, I think, I think you're spot on there. I think the big pieces that I would say I'm most proud of from all the teams is the way that we responded back out of COVID. Um, the numbers are huge. The B-side games were more than what I was anticipating. Um, we, we definitely hit a really growth point. And I think the biggest piece is retainment is there. And I think the coaches are really starting to understand how important retaining and giving everybody game time and giving people value for what they have on the field is huge. So hopefully that translates into some more really big recruiting for everybody next year. Um, I think a strong, strong college division like we have can can really just up the quality of what everything's happening. Like you said, we we fight behind the eight ball because we got the best high school college kids, college age kids, the best ones all leave the state. They got to play top level rugby, which is you can't take it away from them. And then the kids in behind them, hopefully, a lot of them come join our programs, which is great. But then you know we don't get a huge huge amount of participation on that side of things. So I think. You know, Kirk always says this is you always say this like you can't rely on high school to, to move you forward. We have to recruit on campus, but the high school kids really do add a lot of really good glue to it. And I think there's a really good layer to that that is improving nicely around that. And I think that was the one piece that surprised me. I was anticipating a bunch of teams, including us, to not not be as strong as what we were in terms of participation numbers. So it was great. Yeah. So, you know, teams like life um, Arkansas State, Lindenwood, these these schools, like they're great. Queens. Yeah, they're yeah. great. And and honestly, we need them, right? Like we, if we care about the sport and we care about the players and going and getting the best experience and like going to be competitive in the, the Rugby World Cup in nine years' time, we need those programs 
because they're the ones that are actually going to be turning out the top end athletes. And like, we just, we will get there, but we don't get there overnight. We get there by building. Okay. By building alumni bases, getting money in, getting resources. Like it's going to take time. And that's what I, I want us to be focusing on is that now, you know, let's focus here now. Like we're not going to get the top end and that is totally fine because we can still make a lot out of what, um, you know, out, out of the rest of the players are still here because we, let's just, again, like what we're trying to do is, is not trying to be the top. We're trying to aim for the top, but we're not there at the moment. And that is okay. And if we accept that, you know, we can have some really good conversations about how to get there, but um the other great feedback i love to hear was with kyle last week how he said that the college environment um is is the best environment in florida it's much better than the clubs um that is you know that is a strength of ours you know is the environment you know like the high, higher performing environment that we have at the club level um and how that creates a good environment for the referees and that's a strength of ours that i want to continue to build on that is the one thing i will say you know in Florida, I do think that some of the environment, particularly interactions with referees, is pretty poor. You know, like in California, the referee group is so much younger. And I don't understand why. I, I would probably guess it is something to do with that environment. And that's something I, I really want us to, like, I, we're good now, but let's make it better. Evan? I, I agree with you there. I think, but I also think, the environment in the college game is significantly improved. I think there's a lot of, um, you know, a lot of really good coaches who understand the game and understand that screaming and hollering at a referee is not going to change that. And I think we've all gone through, gone through our growing pains around that. I, I definitely think in the other division, high school is horrible. You know, I just watched a state championship last year, last week where the coaches were just berating the ref. It was ridiculous. And then, the same thing as the, the senior men, they just, they feel like it's their role to do that. And I think that berating from the head coaches truth spirals a whole bunch of people out of control. So I think in, our, in terms of our environment, I think we're all doing a really good job of improving that interactions with the referees, which I think is only going to set us in a positive mood going forward because now the referees are going to want to ref our game. And I, I kind of got that feeling. In my interactions with Kyle, he actually really enjoys refereeing college games, which is great because that's what we want because they're just going to create better environment for our players and it's always going to improve everything. So I think I think it's super important that we double down on that and we get better and better and better around those factors. So as coaches, we want consistency from refs. I'm with you 100%. But the way we get change from the referee group is not by yelling at them on the weekend. It's by recording video, sending it in, and changing it internally like we have to use actually like the democratic and the bureaucratic process that we have within the rugby union so let's utilize those avenues more nick sent in some videos and he get some clarification on from the quarterfinal match so i need to work on that sorry nick um but i will get that to you but that's that that is how we change things so let's use the tools we have uh the one critique i will say is that the rep team did not come off this year, and that was a disappointment. Um, neither of the bowl games. and But the rep team more in particular, I was not able to invest the time necessary to put together the rep team because I was still dealing with eligibility late into the season. You know, the one thing 
you know, like we're all volunteers here. Right. And so we got to be really mindful of each other's times. You know, that's one of the reasons I'm doing these podcasts is to record this stuff ahead of time. So that way you can listen to it on your own time and you get historical knowledge and you're well prepared for these meetings. Um, I, you know, like when it comes to eligibility, we need to just be better at that. Like I, I will streamline the process, make it easier to understand and easier to digest. I'll take that critique on, but like, it's also, you know, it takes two to tango. So you, people have to be putting in the work as well. Like some, I know that yeah, there's I, a group of people that don't listen to these podcasts and I know I'm preaching to the choir, but like, I think these podcasts are pretty good, you know, as far as delivering information, people aren't going to read emails, but they might listen to a podcast, but if we don't do it, if we're not putting in the work, what, what then? So. Yeah. I, and I, I agree with you there, Kirk. And I also think the, the responsibility on ensuring your players are eligible is on you as the coaches. And I think we often we we leave these things to the last minute, which then just creates more work for us and more work for you and more heartache. So I think ultimately in terms of eligibility, one, you and I, as the administrators here, we can do a lot better job up front to helping them. And I'm, I already take that critique on and then we're going to improve that, try to get a meeting together where we get everybody who deals with this stuff to, to understand it and try to tackle it in the fall and learn our lessons in the fall. And then come the spring where we're ready and charging to go because they just resubmit and they know how to know how to deal with it. I think it's the it's the p- teams that have the complicated ones, the community college stuff. They need to be more proactive in dealing with this stuff because the easier they are on that, the better services we can give to everybody because it should be just straightforward. Um, so yeah, I, I doubling down on that. I think it's super important that we take that load off of you more effectively because then we can get more out of Kirk. Kirk doesn't need to be dealing with eligibility. Kirk needs to be helping us drive our, our programs forward and that that's that's not what we're able to get a lot out of you this year yeah you know like if i have to spend two hours on a saturday morning for a seven start of it doing shit like i'm not gonna be willing as willing to put in the time during the week you know yeah. like like if i was paid yeah. it'd be a different story you know but even then if the- you were paid cook you, you would those hours would be turned up real fast so right. like it doesn't matter whether you're paid or not it's a there's a there's a responsibility for all us clubs to be better at to be better at that for you so then we in the, then we all can get better services out of you so then we can have these good conversations about oh Kirk I've got this idea about recruitment and you can talk it out with us or I want you to help me fix this instead of you having to wheel with a stick and say all right we're just gonna that kid's not eligible therefore we have to change this game like that's ridiculous so that stuff needs to change and we'll get better at it I think. I think this year was just an abnormality and I, I feel confident that next year everybody will have their have their ducks in a row on this stuff. Yeah. Great. So that's that's my feedback so far. Um, first thing up I want to talk about is eligibility. So for the most part, uh, you know, dealing with the university registrar's office are always gonna be a pain. So, you know, spend twenty-five bucks and go get a Starbucks gift card and take it in with the damn form and get it pumped out quicker, you know. Um we got a bunch of waivers approved this year. For the most part, it was pretty good. Uh, or sorry, it was great. There was one trend in particular that I want us to go back and look at, and it is the graduating uh, graduating seniors and the two semester rule. So there's three in three uh, instances in particular uh, that kids were graduating in the fall, and we were interpreting the summer as a semester. So. Moving forward, I'm going to not interpret the summer as a semester. So if you are less than full-time in the spring, you're planning to graduate that following fall, 
you'll you'll be eligible. So that was three folks that we dealt with this year. Um, it was so just to clarify clarify that the rule is if you're a graduating senior uh, and you're graduating within two semesters, you don't have to be full time. You just have to have an intent to graduate letter submitted. Um, and so what you're doing is clarifying that that has to be this two normal semesters, either spring or fall. So you're trying to plan the fall sevens. You can either graduate that fall or that following spring. If you're trying to play spring 15, then you can either graduate in that spring or that following fall. Is that what you're saying? Yep. And, uh, okay. so, and then once someone submits one of these, like we'll keep track of those players. So they can't be part-time in the fall and tend to graduate the spring and then delay it to the spring or you know the summer or fall, whatever, like you gotta be full-time. That's one of the rules. <clears throat> um, uh, if the people are, the reason I went with a summer as a semester was that was the historical knowledge passed down to me. Um, but at, considering the trends that we had, I, I think we should change there, so. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's unreasonable. And I think, I think the eligibility is one of those pieces that decision needs to be made by our commissioner. Uh, it's just, it's too difficult to vote on everybody, everybody agree. You just make that, make that rule. If you see those, we're talking about a very small subset of people. So three play, three players, what you said it was. So I don't think it makes a significant impact. So I think that's important that we, that we give those kids those opportunities to play one last opportunity to play college rugby. Yeah. This is the thing about eligibility is that, um, you know, we in the college system, we sit in a very unique position in the Florida rugby ecosystem. And uh, this eligibility rules is, is where we need to be striking this balance um, because we, we can't be this like black hole of players that come in and never leave. You know, like we need to be mm-hmm. a part of the ecosystem where we come, they learn and they move on and they go on to the men's clubs. So, um, if people ask like, why don't we allow more of this? Why don't we allow this and this, this? Well, it's because we don't want to be this black hole. Like we need to be, we need to play our part and then we need to be good stewards in the Florida rugby ecosystem. Agreed, Kirk. I think it's one of the prime reasons why we wanted to be a part of the FOU was so we could be a player within that. And I think it's super important that we do that. And we all, it's, it's, it's hard because players sometimes don't want to move on to those club levels, but it's, we have a, our responsibility as college coaches is to, to create lifelong rugby players. And the best way to do that is to ensure they keep playing rugby after they graduate. Yep. And if not playing, then refereeing. Yep. Be involved in rugby in some capacity. Agreed. Yeah. All right. Next thing we want to talk about, uh, Evan, you can take the charge here in the beginning is videoing. So um, you, you streamed a quarterfinal. You streamed a couple matches yeah, and, no. you also, and you also lined up this final. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah, absolutely. So we actually streamed, I think, three regular season games, our quarterfinal. Uh, we didn't get to stream after the lightning delay. Um, and I also think we streamed our semifinal. So we went on a pay-per-view model through Quick Cuts. Um, and then some of them, we, we would pay pay all that and just get it for free. And we get, obviously, higher participation for free. Um, and we kind of, we're just trialing an area and trying to work out how to, how to make all of that work uh, without platform but Todd with Quick Cuts is really really interested in trying to do more streaming and he thinks it's a product that we can deliver as a conference too um, and, I, and I think he's, his process is simple um, sometimes we would have a commentary sometimes we wouldn't uh, we did it for the men's championship and then for the um, 
college championship, the commentating, we had full commentary on the sideline and he was able to kind of deliver all of that. And I think um, he does really cool things like you can put your team logo, you can put your sponsors logos, you can run ads in the middle of the game, things like that. So I think these are the ways that we can fund trying to get streaming and video and taking on having more video readily available for us, I think will really help promote the fact that we do play college rugby and we do play a good standard. So I think that's super important. I think it's Gomez has been really driving this this year, which I think is great. But just getting everybody to share video and having it shared at a reasonable time. He texts on Monday and he and I actually text, you know, Monday like, hey, mine's uploaded, here it is. And we all had it open and available. Um, and I think that's really important that we do that. So I would like to try to see, I think it'd be great if we all could stream our games and we had it promoted and we can really push that out and just use that as a way as a revenue stream um, for, for anybody to help cover our video costs, I think would be great. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a, not an extraordinary cost of it. I think it was $200 a game. I think 200 is what we paid for the final. That includes the video and includes um, the um, the streaming. Uh, he has the ability to, to do all the commentary and things like that. And I think we did that. I think it would be, be a really cool feature for us to add on. Um, I'm not saying that we have to go with that thing, but I do definitely think the video, we need to continue to push harder to get more video available and to have it readily out there. Yeah. So there's kind of three options we can go here. Um, I personally... I am interested in doing like a conference wide deal, you know, where we, we, if every club goes and like does their part of getting maybe a sponsorship, um, then we can get a conference wide deal where we, every match is streamed, every match is uploaded to a central location, right? We can go that route. We can go, you know, individual clubs can do their own thing type situation. Like it, we can go wherever we want. The one thing I at least want us to do, which it sounds like it's happening, is just standardize video sharing and continue with that. Because I think that will also, again, like we have great coaches. And if we give each other tools, you know, like uh, we can get better. And that's the thing, like good coaches want to play against good opposition because it makes them better. So, um, uh, no, I, and uh, it is 100%. If you know the other teams watching your video, it makes you want to coach better. You you have to think about your tactics. You have to think about what they're doing. You have to then review their film because you want to get their thing. So like I think it's I think it's great. I I think it's only going to drive things better, and then that then makes the players better because the more that means you're doing have to do more video review of your players, and you're having to give them more feedback around what the opposition is doing through the film and make them watch it instead of just watching it in a, oh, look at the tries this, but look at this number, right? Look how good he runs. You know what I mean? Instead of being like, all right, how are we tactically going to approach this? And they start to learn a lot of those, you know, rugby IQ components. That's where I will say um, we could do a bit better. When I, when I compare Florida to California, that's where California is the IQ is just a bit higher. Like they're not better athletes, but their IQ is just a little bit better, but uh, yeah, so video, video streaming, that type of stuff, you know, like what I'd love to see happen, uh, I'm just gonna throw it out there, is what if we say everyone can go, like, go get a $2,500 uh, sponsorship, you know, like it could be one place, multiple place, whatever. And then we take that, we get all your home matches streamed, and we also get him to make a hype video that we can then use and spend money and do some social media and really pump up the recruitment. So that's, that's what I'd love to see happen. 
Um, but I know it's probably a stretch for uh, some people, but I'm just going to throw it no, out. I, I think, yeah, I think it's a great idea. I, I immediately, and I, I always say this, we, we sit in a different boat because we get a lot of support from our school. Um, but it's, it's something that I don't think is an insurmountable 2,500 to three grand sponsorship. It specifically targets this and they have a return on investment and it might be a lot, be a lot, but at least their logo is out there on something. And then, you know, they're on the video stream and they may even have an, an ad they want to run, you know, like these are things that you could have for that and they get some decent value out of it. And I think it, you know, at the college level, parents love to watch their kids still keep playing. So I think that's, I think it's, we add to that. So I, I think, you know, if everybody came to the summit, um, I know we're coming up a couple of weeks with a thought around that. If they think they could go find a sponsor for that, I think that would be really cool for us all to agree on that. And then we can go kind of have that negotiation with, with various video companies. We can talk to Charlie. We can talk to us. I don't think Charlie has the streaming capability, but we can at least have conversations with everybody about these different things. And then we can really, as a group, make a decision from that. But I think it would be important if everybody came to the summit with an idea of whether they like that concept there of everybody finding a three thousand dollar sponsor to cover all their video and then we can all collectively have a, a pool where we're sharing video automatically and it, it, it's all up there straight away after the game because that's and, the other great thing about your yeah and and like what i would what i would want to see in that three thousand dollars is that you know like we could we could do a lot with that right like like we could from that three thousand we will pay for every club to boost their social media during recruitment time yeah. with your hype video, right? And then we can also maybe get uh, someone to help ensure that your recruitment is happening, you know, like, and we, we can we can do a lot with that. And there yep. might even be some kickbacks to the clubs because 3,000 is probably more than we need. So we'll see. Yeah, it, it, and, and I agree. I think it's probably more, but I think what it does is it just creates a little bit of fluff um, yeah. because right. let's say $1,500, it gives you $1,500 back to your club or other things. So I, I think it's cool. So. Yeah. yeah, I definitely think it's something that we can keep exploring. All right. Uh, next up I got is sideline management. So again, the environment is what I think we need to be striving to improve on. Um, so we have the tech zone, the, the tech zone diagram that's on the FRU website. That's what we're supposed to be technically be using. That's what happens when you go to these like national style events. Um, there's a couple of my, I got a couple of critiques on there that I don't like that I think makes it a bit complicated. And for us here down the grassroots, I want to just kind of make things more simple. So uh, there's a couple of rules here on the, on the, on the sideline management that there's no questions asked, right? One off is no spectators on the player sideline, spectators on the spectator sideline, full stop. Uh, there needs to be a rope over there and nobody's in front of the rope. Uh, no coaches are in front of the rope. The only person people that we could potentially have in front of the rope is medical and maybe professional photographer, but, uh, on the spectator sideline, that is for spectators. If a, if a coach wants to go over there, that's fine, but he's not in front of the rope and he needs to be active. There's no screaming at the referee. If you want to talk to players, that's fine. But you know, the things that I, I want us to be starting to wrap our heads around is that if we're going to be building, we're also going to create these environments where we want to have big, um, like we want to increase the game day experience for people to come in, to want to come to the game and experience it. So I, like, what's it going to take for us to get to the point where when we have a home match, there's like 500 people there, right? So let's start thinking now how we create that environment and allowing spectators to be spectators 
is one of them. Um, there's going to be, yeah. The other thing is the, in the dead ball zone on that diagram, it says no coaches allowed in there. I'm, you know, if coaches want to go stand in the dead ball, in the dead ball area, I'm fine with that. Uh, again, there's no yelling at the referees from there. If you want to go back there, you need to be walkie-talkied up. You need to, so you can talk to the people on the sideline. Again, if you want to talk to some of your players, fine by me. But uh, if you're back there, there's no yelling at the refs. Um, so then it's the player sideline. Now, I don't like in the USA Rugby diagram that there's two ropes. I think that's too complicated. Um, I don't personally care what you use, but there needs to be some sort of policing mechanism in place on the player sideline. So here's the general rules. Between the 10 and the 22 on both sides, that's the two player zones, the two team zones. Medical needs to be in the middle, right? So we need to be having trainers at all of our matches. They get set up there in the middle. Um, and then whatever policing mechanism you use, like I want to hear from you guys, how do you plan to set up your field in order to have these systems? So um, NFL, <clears throat> yeah, go ahead. So, sorry to cut you off there, but just like as a coach, like what, why, why do you want to do that? What, what's coaches and players? Like, why do you want us? I get the separation from the spectators. Why do you want us kind of policed into a zone? Like what's, what's that all about? Like, give me, give me your, your insight on that. Like, yeah. So the, um, what, like you heard it from Kyle, right? Last week is that what the head coach does, everyone else feeds on. And so again, what we need to be doing is creating a better, more welcoming environment for referees. We also need to be creating a better environment for the players on the field. So having coaches march up and down the field, yelling their heads off, like that's a football thing, you know, but it's not what we need to be doing. We need to, you know, like rugby is not coach intensive. It is player intensive, like players have to make those decisions. So let's create that place where they can go and do that. And what, what I think happens is when you create that separation from the sideline, like it's, it is human nature to want to walk up right up to the line. Right. Um, so if we create that separation from the sideline to the player zone, it creates space mentally and physically and emotionally that it detaches the coaches a bit from the game. So that way we can try to keep our head school a bit better. So we're not overreacting so much. Does that answer yeah, your question? I, I, yeah, I, and I hear you on that because I think that separation is also super important for us as coaches to remember our role is also not to escalate the sideline and escalate the situation. So like we need to keep, try our best to cool our heads and not interact over the top on certain things and there are definitely environments where every one of us has overstepped our mark on this and i think the more we create that separation the less likely that is to happen so um agree with you and it makes complete sense what you're just asking for yeah so if you want to spray a box on the ground okay like i my understanding and my experience is that that doesn't work you know like nfl uses that same system and so does football but like football teams now have someone whose whole job is to police the sideline that, you know, like they have sideline guys, you'll see, they'll see them always pulling the head coach back. So if you want to spray it on the ground, you can do that. If you want to put up a rope, just like one rope across the field, you can do that too. I don't care, do, but do something to create that separation. So that way the sidelines remain cool. Again, to Evan's point, we're not escalating. Um, because 
I, I do believe that referees can have an impact on the game if we allow it. And we're going to encourage referees. We're going to encourage those environments more if we're emotional. But if we're relaxed and detached and we go with the flow, because ultimately I don't think referees are going to have a huge impact on the game. You know, we as coaches could coach our players to show better pictures to the referee, to make better decisions, right? To have enough depth that we're not throwing forward pass. Like we can just be better than the, than the referee. If we focus there, then again, we'll make a better environment, which will be more attractive to the better refs. And then it'll just be, it'll help us out a whole bunch. Um, now, so again, if you hear me a whole bunch, don't yell at the refs. Now I'm not sitting here saying that like, I'll, I'll give, I'll give coaches one, a head coach, like to me on during the game, the person that should be interacting with the referee should be the head coach. You know, like if you want to go talk to them at half, but like, if you're, if you interact with them, you better be very polite, but like in a game, if, if there's going to be any yell, okay, I'm okay. If it's the head coach does it once a game, but like call your, you better be very good on your shot selection here. Um, the other thing I will say is that for the player sideline, what do we do with non-players, right? And so what I think is that if you, if you only are bringing one team and you only have like 23 players, you know, like in six reserves and two non-players, you can all stay on the, on the player sideline. But the moment you have more than four non-playing players, you need to go to the player. They need to go to the spectator sideline. So uh, you can have a couple but everyone else has got like Florida State when they have 40 guys. There's one team that's active, and the inactive team is on the spectator sideline. Full stop. That's it. So um, these are these little things that we need to just just to accept and put in place, and, and let's move on. But comments or questions, there, Evan? No, I, I think it, I think you nailed it. I think it all comes back to your point of let's try and create the best environment possible for everybody involved in the game so that only improves the game. So I love the fact that you want to allow the other coaches to be in different spots around the field as long as they're not overstepping their mark, running on the field, screaming at the ref, all of that on the spectator sideline or from the end zone. Because all it's going to do is just create more of a professional feel of what we're trying to deliver for these kids. So I, I'm 100% with you there. So don't – I think you've nailed it all, and I, I think everybody gets it. We just got to continue to get better at it. So All right. Next up we got is uh, referees. So what I do like to move to is central invoicing. So um, I would like to invoice you for your regular season referee games, and then we'll pay the regular season matches from the union. Um, I think this would be good training for when we do go D1A because that's how they do it. Um, and I also, I said it in the, in the Kyle video is I think we should be paying more. You know, like, uh, let's pay 120 a game. Let's pay 50% more. Uh, I think this will help. Again, the feedback I got from Roy, the FRRA president, and then Kyle confirmed it, is that people choose what games they want to go do. And I want the college games to be the most attractive games out there. You know, we had Kyle and Haley a lot, um, but we got to have more than just those two. We got to have a diversity of, of, of reps. So let's pay a bit more and let's see uh, if we can get, you know, a bunch of really good reps every weekend. Um, so 
it, go, it goes to the invoicing. So that means we need to be paying, get those invoices paid quicker, which goes back to that earlier point that we need to be better about some of this stuff. So um, university invoicing, getting that paid, that's something that we need to get better at. Uh, the other question is, do we want to do this FCC panel ref? You know, like my idea was we take these recent grads and get them through the referee course. And then we have like a panel of like six or seven refs that like we, exclusively do all the FCC matches and they're young fit refs that can get around the park well but if we do something like this where they're like all brand new refs like there's a chance that we're not going to be happy with it we'll get some subpar refing up at front so is that something we want to pursue uh and if so are we okay willing to accept that we might get some subpar refing out of it but I, I think we are I think definitely um Chuck I think there's a transition component of the way that we have to try it. I think, I think you, you said it earlier where, um, when we were chatting about different things, it's like Kyle um, and Haley did a lot of the bulk of the rest, which is great, but we'd love to have another uh, bit of diversity within that. And I think that, that one would really help if we had a subgroup that had it, if we were known that we paid more and we had a subgroup that did that and that we were willing to do that, I think we would get that. And I think there'd probably have to be a bit of a transitional phase on that as to how we plan that out. Um, and we may have to be willing to, to take a little bit of subpar refing at the beginning, knowing that these coaches, uh, so these refs are getting coaching and that they're getting really good video feedback. You know, the one thing that I'm was really impressed with from your chat last week with Kyle was that he reviews every team's videos before the game just to get some tendencies and understand the way that they play so he can he can create a better game for them. And I think that's the standard that we want to start getting that. So, you know, I think Kyle is an abnormality in the union. I don't think a lot of other teams refs do that. And I think if we can create a ref group that's willing to do that, I think we're only going to get better refs doing that. So I, um, I, I'm all about it. Um, I know it's going to be a transitional phase, but from my standpoint, I think something we should really push hard to try to try to deliver. Um, you know, I don't cost more money, but you spend more money and you get better quality within that. So we should also, you know, we also need to be doing our part. Again, we're in the ecosystem of, you know, getting people to be refs as well. You know, like I know Peter Lawrence doesn't plan to play. He wants to be a ref next year. That's great. You know, but like, I don't know like who helped that, but we need to like be replicating that more often. So, you know, I hope you guys are talking to your senior players and the guys that aren't going to continue playing, you know, for whatever concern, uh, job, time, insurance, whatever, like, let's, let's see if we can't get some of those guys to be refs because it will help out the system. All right. Next up. Uh, I just want to go a little bit into the national outlook stuff. I'll give you guys a brief update on like, NCR, D1A, and blah, blah, blah. So when I look at it, there's kind of two major issues affecting kind of like the macro schedule. You got seasonality and you got affiliation. Uh, these two are connected, but they're not, uh, they're correlated, but they're not causation. So, um, you know, when you talk about the seasonality, do we play fall or do we play spring? Everyone likes to talk about seasonality, blah, blah, blah. I, my personal opinion about seasonality is that it's downstream of other problems, particularly resources. So, um, like, what's stopping 
some teams from playing in the fall. It's the weather, right? And then, but you can overcome weather if you have the resources. But if you don't have the resources and you can't overcome it, so then you have to go with what Mother Nature gives you. So, right. So seasonality to me is 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 again downstream of of resources. Um, if we were all better resourced, then it didn't matter. We could pick and choose when we want to play. And the other one is like the affiliation, whether or not you go USA Rugby or not. So NCR continues to operate outside of USA Rugby. Um, and they are, you know, they basically are fall base 15s, spring sevens. So the I've heard some positive feedback about NCR. Um, and I I don't know, you know, if you would ask me six weeks ago, how long does NCR stick around now that uh, USA rugby, the NCC sevens, which is going on, you know, right now, uh, being televised. Now that NC, the USA Rugby is putting on a quality event that's being televised, like, I don't know what the uh, utility is of the CRC. Uh, and I, if you would ask me six weeks ago, how long do I think NCR will be around? I don't think it's going to be around that much longer. But I've then talked to some other folks who are very pro NCR, and they think it's going to be around for the long term. So I don't know, man. Like it's going to continue. Um, <clears throat> so I, it's going to be funky. I would just continue to say that. You know, we need to be doing again, like the whole purpose of the FC was to take control of our macro schedule. So I think if we want to be competing at the D1 AA level, the level we're at now, if we want to be competing for a national championship, I don't think the spring based ACR competition is that great. You know, like it cuts into our regular season. Um, we would be better off going fall based because I think the quality of teams there is better. Um, but that's a whole nother set of challenges, uh, or we continue to do what we're doing, stay independent and build to build to go to D one a, the other option is that, um, in, uh, CRAA, I had a conversation with CRAA and asked if they were going to offer D one double a, uh, under CRA banner. And he said, sure, if you want in, you're in, you know, like they, they are more of quite libertarian kind of in their, you know, like they're just here to support. They're not really going to dictate what people do. So I, you know, the other option is we stick to do what we're doing. And then we, you know, again, push for bowl games. Cause I do believe bowl games is a much better solution than championships, particularly at the, not at the top elite level, you know, we're one level down. Um, so I, I don't think championships is what we need to be doing there bowl games is i think a better solution um and i asked in cra if they're going to be offering bowl games uh and they said it's a possibility so you know anyways any questions there evan yeah there's mud right questions and questions and comments my my biggest thing is is for me is um you know seasonality we're always going to be stuck with where we're at into a more highly resourced um and it's just by the just by the, the pure numbers of our clubs is too small. Um, so it's one, two. Um, you know, I I firmly believe that we should be moving up, not lateral. Um, you know, because all we're going to do if we move lateral, we're just going to hop from place to place, and then we really should be thinking about moving up. And yeah, we're not we're not the best right now um, in terms of you know being able to compete with the top D one A colleges, but we do have some really great brands and names, and I do think that we can offer exceptionally really good bowl games in terms of our plays. And I think the alignment is better suited for CRAA at that time. But the NCR stuff that I've been involved in has also been great. So we're kind of in a really good spot where we can give our feet into both of them and not really have too many problems that way. Um, 
So I think we're in a good spot. I don't think we need to change. I also think the one thing that we also need to be better at, but also the way that our schedule works allows us to be a lot more diverse in our schedule. Um, we all are doing a great job of going out and finding other teams to go play, either spring break games or going and taking a tour places in the fall. I think all of those pieces are um, super important that we need to make sure that we um, start really chasing, getting that diversification of the, of the schedule. So um, I, I think that's, I think it's a, a piece within our stuff. If we want more out of our schedules, we need to go make that happen ourselves. And I, and I, I just, I, I really, really think that that's the great thing about our schedule is that we have such a good, strong schedule. Let's keep it strong and then let's build around it and make ourselves a national powerhouse by chasing better teams and better games. Yeah. Great. So let's, let's talk about the schedule first. We're going to talk, we're going to backtrack it. We're going to start at the, in the spring and we're going to come back to the fall. So um, format for spring 2023 is I want to keep the exact same format. So um, we're, we're at seven teams. Is there a possibility to expand to eight? Maybe, you know, um, but I think we should keep it right now the way it is. Uh, I think the single round Robin is the ideal format and, you know, there's feedback there from both Peter and Nick about wanting to expand the regular season, maybe go divisions. Uh, the reason I'm not a big fan of divisions in the, re- in the regular season is because, you know, you're going to then play your closest opponent, you know, one or two of your closest opponents an additional time. What that then does is in, in your preseason, you're less likely to play them. So, um, you know, and, and preseason matches are really tough to get, you know, like Evan just said that we need to have a diversity of, you know, games. And yeah, I a hundred percent agree with that. And so I think by going with the single round Robin in the 15s, you know, in the spring regular season, it allows you the opportunity to play those teams in the, in the fall in your preseason. And it doesn't get, mundane right like my concern is that if we continue playing this you know if we try to build out more locally you know we're if we're not building more teams and we're just playing each other more and more which then is gonna that can only go so far and then it's gonna become monotonous and so i think the if we went to like a division system and you, and you know like let's just say fau played fiu twice in the spring when it comes time to schedule their preseason game you know if you play them again you know, now you're playing them three times with the potential of playing a fourth time in the knockout rounds. And I, you know, if, if we were playing 12 games in a year, four of them against the same opponent, that's just not, that's not on. So, um, yeah. So I think there's the regular season single round Robin is the way to go. Agreed. Um, yeah, I, 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 and, and I, I agree with you 100% on that. I do think single round Robin is a really good system. You get to go play everybody. We just did it. We could do the reverse schedule back through. Um, the the other piece that I have around it too is, you know, like let's let's not overdo what we're trying to do. So like like I I, I think I think let's drive at this. Let's see this work. Let's push this. Let's see if we can get diversification in our schedule um, and make that happen. I do think that it is important that everybody gives different feedback just because you say, or I say, and I agree with you on this. I think it's important that everybody comes with ideas 
And then because there might be something within that idea that we can grasp and take and add to it, add a layer or add it to future ideas and things like that. So I think it's super important that I don't, I, from my standpoint, I don't want to shoot anybody's ideas down. I think everybody should voice their ideas that they have. They want to ch- look for change. doesn't mean you're going to take it on. This means that we're going to look at it and go, okay, well, what would work, what wouldn't work out of it, and then maybe we could add that. I think it's super important that, like, as a conference, that it's not a dictatorship and that we're all working together on this. And, and I think most of us all agree on alignment of things. And then, you know, is an idea great. Oh, didn't like it. Or that doesn't quite work, but Hey, I really like the idea that we're going to play, you know, a neutral location quarterfinal that we all can go and do some things like that. Kirk, I think a really great way that we can take components of everybody's different ideas and add that into our general kind of scheduling or our, our process. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. Like I'm not anti-divisions, you know, like I, I love the idea if we had more club, you know, if there was a, a bigger second tier that you could have your diversity of preseason matches there and stuff, I'd be all for, you know, I'd be all for it, you know, but I, I just don't think in the current environment it's, it's what we need, but I do appreciate the ideas from Nick and Peter. So, um, so that's a regular season format. And I do think we should continue you know, so if we're going to continue with the single round robin, that's six games. I do think we need to stick with the quarters because that at least gives gives everyone to seven, and I think that's where we need to be at. But I I'm keen for feedback from the teams, particularly the ones that got knocked out in the quarterfinals. If you know, like what their thoughts are on it, like if we eliminated the quarters and they did not have that game, like I'd be interested to get their feedback on it. But um, so that's the spring. Uh, so then for the fall. Um, again, like Evan's talking about, we need to have diversity, you know, diversity, like, again, I'll, I'll say this point again, that I, the fall is the preseason. This is where you sink the hooks into players. Um, and I think this, but I don't think it's where you do all your massive development, massive development happens in your reserve grade in the regular season. So the, we get the preseason 15s and we have the sevens. I don't think the sevens, I, I, I've, I've expressed my idea now three times. So I think the sevens needs to happen. The not the, the single tournament winner take all happens on all floor today, or if it's going to be a chain, whatever that, that one, which is the weekend before Thanksgiving. Now, um, if we want to do it as a one day tournament, two day tournament, we can do that. If we want to have built in with that, a reserve grade 15s tournament, that's something I'm willing to build out in the fall, but that's about the extent of the you know, the, the knockout, the, the winner take all tournament at all Florida day and two weeks prior, the, the Northern and Southern, you know, seeding tournaments that we run many tournaments. That's about the extent of I'm willing to organize. If we want to do a reserve grade 15s tournament at all Florida day as well, we're, we can do that, but that's about the extent of what I think should be coming down the pike from me. Everything else I think should be organically grown from the teams. So I'll be yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, I agree with you on that. Um, I think it's something that we should look at and explore. But I, just like the same point I was making there before, I think everybody should come to the summit with an idea of their head, whether they agree or disagree. Um, I know FAU seems probably on a different path than you with that, but I think it's a democracy. And I think he brings his feedback. Everybody else brings their feedback and we look at it. And we just decide what's best for us as a conference at the summit. So that's where it's going to get decided, right, Kirk? We're, We'll yeah. vote on that as a, as a group and say that's what we're going to do. It. So I think it's really important that everybody walks into there with a concept of what they believe is the right way of doing it. And just to 
I'll really wrap this up really fast about it. It's like, you think we do a short 15s preseason uh, from September through October, November, then you do December 7th and then we break and then we go back into 15s and take that on. So I, I like that concept. I think it's good. But again, I think everybody needs to have their thoughts on it. So when we come to the summit, we can have a good discussion around it because I think this is something we can have a long discussion about and then come up with the right concept of what we want to do and agree to that for maybe a year or two of how we make that work. Yeah, the one thing I will say um, is that, that yes, I'm looking forward to people bringing their ideas and bringing their feedback. What I would say is please, when you do it, please pull out a calendar and like try to, don't just, don't just give me this like idea, flesh it out a bit more pull out a calendar and see how it fits on the calendar. Right. So, um, like my, yeah. So do that. My, my thought is that, you know, when you come back to school, you don't pull, train for the first two weeks, do a bunch of recruiting. And then you do seven weeks of a regular se- of a preseason, three weeks of training, four weeks of competition. And then you move into your sevens. Now, someone else said, uh, okay, I'll, I'll start even later. And then we'll just continue running 15s and seventh at the same time and finish it both the weekend before Thanksgiving. Okay. You can do that too. You know, the one thing, there's a couple of points I think people should keep in mind. One is that these are college kids that did not come to college to play rugby. The majority of them haven't. So like we need to be able to build for those players, like build for your 30th player. Who's not going to be nearly as keen to invest all of his time as your top player. Right. But that 30th player's money is just as important as your number one player's money. And so when we build out, build out our clubs, it needs to be offering a diversity of experiences, right? Like basically you have your first grade, you have a second grade, you know, be great for teams to get to a third grade and those various, you know, experiences or your various teams are different levels, or it's just like, it's just like diversity of products that you're selling to people. And that'll give you a, a bigger base to, you know, it'll give you a bigger base to build from. So, um, yeah. Last thing we could talk about is the state championship hosting. You know, do we want, so in general, we're going to try to align our state championship with other divisions where possible. Um, what I would say is that, you know, the purpose of the FC is that we take control of our macro schedule and we need to do what's best for us. If we can make it work where it doesn't cost us too much and we can align with someone else, we'll do that. Um, but you know, now's the time that we, when things are really fluid, now's the time that we can talk about where do we want it to focus more at. Right. And so Evan, you could talk a bit more here about, high school and the men's and all that type of stuff as far as where their timing works out. But yeah. And, and, and it, this really gets complicated. And I think Kirk nailed it there. We have to do what's right for us in terms of our scheduling first. And then there's a slight adjustment, like moving a week here or moving a week there. Then that, that makes a lot of sense. So at the moment, the men's and the women's championships are set for early April. It looks very similar setup is what we'll probably do is, this last year, just because the D3 men, they're separate in a whole nother cycle of the exact same thing where they go to super regionals. Um, and I don't foresee them pushing back any further into April. Um, at this time, I don't see much changes happening on that side of things. It may do. Um, the youth in the high school seem to really like doing it the last weekend of April. Uh, they are very interested in an alignment with us. Uh, they see a very 
strong basis of that. They're not as interested in teaming up with the senior men's. They just think it adds a whole different feel that they don't like, but they really like the idea of having college games there and really kind of getting that within their championship thing. That comes with a territorial situation. Um, and what I mean by that is most of the high school teams and most of our championships in high school happen in South Florida, just because that's where the bulk of them happen. And we tie it with the youth kit programs where, Again, the bulk of those are all in South Florida. Um, doesn't mean that we can't create an appealing situation for them to do that around something else, but um, that creates some alignment of timing. So last week in April generally doesn't work for us, but we could maybe lean back at them and say, hey, would you do the 23rd? And we can do that, but then we've got our bowl game. So this is like lots of different pieces, Kirk, that fall into this. And I think um, it's... Where it makes sense, then I think we should do it. Where it doesn't, I don't think we should force it too hard. So, so the, my biggest wrap on that, because this is always, they've got their influences they've got to deal with from the youth standpoint, and the adults have got their influence of what they stand with on their, on theirs in terms of their national pathway. Um, so, and then we've got ours in terms of our schooling and where our schools are done. And, you know, we don't really want to wrap into a spring final, all of those things. So, like, it's just, it's just difficult. So, um, that's just the way I would. Just probably the the wrap around on it that kind of give you the answers you needed on that. Yeah, totally. So okay, cool. Well, that's uh, those are the topics I got. Uh, anything else you want to add, or you know? No, I I think we've babbled on enough. Um, I think I really look forward to chatting with everybody on the summit. Uh, hopefully, we can get a really good concept going forward, and then we can start planning. Because I know from my standpoint, I'm already thinking about what what I want to get delivered for next year. Like we, as a coaching group, we've started talking about it. And I really hope the other clubs are really getting their planning going and going from there. So, um, so I, I think it's super important that we, that we get this summit done, get everybody's agreements on, and then we just can move on with starting the, the fun stuff, which is planning. Uh, can I get your feedback on the experience of Houston? Cause I thought you had some interesting feedback there from like, because you guys went and played at the NCR Bowl game there in Houston in December. How was that experience for the players? It, it was it was outstanding. We got to play in a stadium um, with a big screen. It was just a good travel tour experience. And that experience um, really, one, hooked us in for what we wanted to deliver uh, for this season. I think it really, like, we, we got a long way ahead this year in terms of our development. Um, further than I thought we would based on that tour alone, just the, the vibe it gave to the team, the way it brought the team together, the experience of playing in that, winning a really cool big trophy, playing on a stream, playing in a big stadium. All of those pieces were excellent. And NCR ran a really good event, and we would go back in a heartbeat, and I would encourage anybody else to do that because it just it's, – one of the things that we talk about at UCF is – we talk about giving the kids rugby experiences and the best rugby experiences that they can have are playing in events like that. So that's why we seriously were all very, very close to going to the sevens event um, as well when we were invited, just because it gave us these great rugby experiences these kids remember and they have a great college experience from there. It costs money um, and ideally you can plan it out more in advance and I think that's where the seven stuff for us. If NCR wants to invite us again next year, our Florida team, then we would love to know just a little bit earlier and then we can really start really planning and making all those pieces happen. Cause like, I guarantee you 
when UF comes back from both their tournaments, they're going to have very similar feedback as to how enjoyable an experience this was for the kids. And then that just hooks them in and it just builds your program going forward. So I, I, like I, 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 I didn't think it was going to be as good an experience as what we had in Houston. Now winning really helped, but even then, even if we'd lost, it was still, it was bitterly cold. It was blowing wind. There wasn't a massive crowd in the stadium. It was just the whole atmosphere of, being on there and being and being a part of that really like a lot of these kids had never experienced that before so i think it was just really really cool to give them that yeah so um yeah for those that the uh, may madness ncr called and asked if there's any teams interested in going to new orleans and they gave them like four days to fucking say yes or no so uh, this is some of the stuff that you deal with is, is, um, even at these national events, things are still like, I don't know if it's like it's, poor organization or it's just like this. Well, what it is, Kirk, I think is we're all the same. It's with dealing with a bunch of volunteers or people that are paid a small amount to do this stuff. One, two, you're dealing with a bunch of the club sport programs. So because of that, um, and, um, you know, I, I, I think it's, it's super, like, it's just, these things happen. Things fall apart. People run out of funding. They don't get enough kids. The kids, the coach thinks that they can do it and the coach wants to get it done. And he thinks he's got the financing. And then all of a sudden he doesn't have enough kids to go on and they just fail. So these things happen. And I think that's the nature of the growth sport that we're in. So once we get in better situations around that, then I think we'll be better off. So I, I'm, I'm all about trying to, make these things happen and Florida we are known as an area that will backfill in I think we're only going to get great opportunities and keep advancing our program so um whilst we got no time on that I was very positive to them back in terms of hey listen we'll do that again just invite us and just give us a little bit more time and we could make that work so like they know that we're in Florida because they know how to reach out to you Kirk and, and all those things so I think it's cool all right, guys. Yep. So summit's in 11 days. It's going to be Tuesday night, uh, 7.30. So I'll have to get out of work a couple hours early. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll go through this, bang it out. Yeah, like I said, love to hear some feedback or if you got a comment, you know, if you got ideas, great. Try to flesh them out a bit more, see how it works on the calendar. Other than that, gentlemen, best of luck. Uh, make sure you tune in to UF this weekend. They're up in Marietta. Uh, all right, guys. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Kirk. Catch you later. Yeah. 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 Yeah.